All right, well, welcome, everybody that's visiting. This is Lion Lamb Church. I'm the student director, youth director here. My name is Steve Green. Um, real quick, last night was a great night at Dan and Rosa Billen's house. Uh, Stan, you know, I don't make any bones about it. I love community. We actually had a movie night out at their backyard. We watched The Incredibles. Perfect weather. It was just a rich time together as a body. Um, just seeing neighbors and family come out to watch the, uh, the movie. That was just a great time. So thanks, Dan and Rosa. Um, last Two weeks ago, I listened to my uh, podcast because I always like to listen after I give a talk to see how I did. And we have the podcast in, on iTunes. When you play an uh, audio file, um, you can see how long that audio file is. And I was thinking, you know, let me just see what it looks like. I talked for 46 minutes. And that just blows me away because usually when I, when I get ready for this kind of stuff, I'm like, please, God, if I can just speak for 20 minutes, I'm good to go. So to see 46 minutes, I was like, I'm surprised I didn't have anybody falling asleep. Unless you guys can sleep with your eyes open. So thank you for your patience and allowing me to talk for 46 minutes. I promise, or at least I will try to do my best um, to talk about something that I'm very passionate about, that I love. Again, I don't make any bones about this, about community. Um, I am the third in a total of four different leaders talking about the title of Finding Your Niche at Lion and the Lamb. Uh, Kent, uh, two weeks ago, gave a sermon on um, service, how's your serve. Uh, Larry, last week, talked about missions and evangelism. I'm talking this week. And then Mike, next week, next week returning from England, will talk about, um, we'll tie everything together. So I'm the third. Um, I, I want to be as precise and as compact as possible because I'm talking about community. It's a loaded question. In fact, I could probably spend at least five, five uh, sermon series on community, so I'm going to uh, be packed, so I would just ask for you to buckle your seatbelts, hang on tight. This will be a bumpy ride, but before we get into it, let's just pray. Bow your heads with me and pray, and I will get started. <clears throat> Father God, we just thank you for a beautiful day that you have given us. Lord, just to bask in your creation. You hear the birds sing, they hear, uh, they see the changing of colors and the leaves and the sunflowers, God. All these things point and sing of your sovereignty over all things, your workings and creation, Lord. And we just stop for a moment to praise you. Father, I just ask that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit as a community, as a congregation, Lord, that we would love to do your work. Father, that you would help us answer the question in our own hearts about finding our niche in the kingdom of God and the community of God. Father, would you just be with us today? We lift up all the needs that we have as a body. Lord, we love you, and we just want to strive towards Christ-likeness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I read an article in Christianity Today. The article was entitled, New Monasticism. I don't know if anybody else has heard this or not, but there's this new movement within Christianity in America called New Monasticism. Uh, essentially, what it is is this. People have decided to kind of pool their resources together and, and sort of live together, and they're buying apartments, and they're buying houses, and large houses, and they're actually living together. We're not just talking about men and women, kind of like the monastic orders of old, but like families, single people, uh, young married couples, young, uh, older couples are all going into these sort of new monastic communities and living life together. It's this crazy phenomenon that's actually happening all over. In fact, in Kansas City, uh, there's, a, there's a order or a community called Charitith Brook. I actually have a friend that I went to college with, um, named, <laughs> I won't give his name because some of you know him, but he's living in Seattle, and he's actually uh, living a part of, uh, he's a month's, uh, one of eight men sharing one bedroom together, 
living together in this sort of new monastic community. It's this growing trend. You see it more on the east and west coast, more so than you see here. Um, and, and I was thinking about this when I was reading this article. Jokingly, I could not read it and not think of Joe and Dan McElroy's house. Because if you've ever been over there on a, on a Sunday, they, their houses are next to each other, right? Brothers' houses next to each other. If you've been, on a, been there on a Sunday after church, the kids are running through one house to the next interchangeably. It's almost like there's a tunnel connecting the two houses. You would swear that there was some sort of like commune of, of people there on a Sunday because there's at least you know, sometimes 30 to 40 people over in these, one, these two houses just running back and forth. It's a great idea. All joking aside... I'm not going to give a sermon encouraging us as a church to pool our resources together and to build an apartment. That's ridiculous. I'm not saying that. Um, But what I am saying is this, is that article really puts its finger on a pulse, I believe, of the sort of groaning and sort of longing that people are having for for more organic, authentic community. See, we we live in a society. We have all this access to technology and mass media. Right? We have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have message boards, we have online communities, we have TV, we have cell phones, we have text messages. We have all these things that can help us stay connected with each other. And yet, on a basic, fundamental level, we feel more and more alienated as a community. There's this deeper longing, this deeper passion and desire for us to have more authentic relationships. You see it everywhere. Um, a lot of people say, as, as great as technology is, I feel more and more disconnected at a a certain level. As I said, I believe there is a deep hunger for many people inside and outside the church to experience genuine, authentic, transparent, Christ-centered community. In his book, Christ Plays in 10,000 Places, Eugene Peterson has this to say about the issue. There can be no maturity in the spiritual life, no obedience in following Jesus, no wholeness in the Christian life apart from immersion and embrace of community. See, part of our calling as Christians is just not to be uh, fulfilling the great commandment. That's one of them. Um, But also a call to belong and serve in a community. I think scriptures, especially the New Testament, this communal language is saturated. You find it everywhere. Community, community, community. In every book, uh, usually Paul or an apostle is writing a letter to a church community. right? And they're usually addressing church or communal issues. That language of community is, is saturated, yet we live in a society more than ever that are so satisfied with this individualistic sort of mentality of rebelling against what God has called us to. So Scripture has mandated community. That's something that we know that, um, that we've been called to, and the New Testament is rich in it. So it was my job to point out three verses out of all this language of, of that, what represents um, community in the New Testament. And so I just picked three, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the three, kind of give a little bit of my take on the verse, and then wrap it up with the application following those three verses. So if you would, turn to Acts 2, 43 through 47, actually 42 through 47. I'll give you just a moment. <clears throat> in it, um, obviously this is, this is in the chapter that where Pentecost occurs, right? And then after Pentecost and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit amongst the apostles, uh, Peter gives his great exposition. Um, and it's just it's awesome about the history of, of the need for, for Christ to come and finally coming. And then thousands of people are saved. And then in verse 42, Luke, the author of, of Acts, writes this. 
He says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now many will try and they will look at this this section and they look at Acts and they sometimes say that's what we need to look like as a church. We need to take that sort of Acts model and import it in today. So they'll say we need to live in a commune together, right? Because you might pick up a little bit of what's going on in here. You, you hear some people say Christian communism or they'll say we need to be house churches, right? That's, that's what, what, the, what this is saying and that's what our calling is. And I'd say no, you're missing the point completely if that's the extreme that you make. I don't think this is a mandate for what church a church model should look like. I think instead is what we're being we're being given here is a is a picture of a spirit or a, an empowerment of what church life should look like. Um, what I mean by this is is that there is an excitement taking place. In verse forty three, it says there's an awe out of this joy that comes, a willingness to live life together, and a readiness to meet often. Um, in this, we're getting a picture of what life as a church here at Lion and the Lamb or, or life as a church in, in America should look like. There should be this excitement. There should be this eagerness. There should be this joy in meeting together, of meeting together regularly and praising God, like it says, um, and sharing meals together, breaking bread. There, there, there's these great there's ideas of community that are being, being shown together. They love each other. Um, they, they pray together. They worship together. There's this great picture. Everybody's excited. There's this empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and so there's this joy in meeting one another. I think that's what the scripture is saying, not that we need to be a house church. So knowing that, um, I think that paints a beautiful picture of what community will look like, and I'll, I'll say more about that later. Um, moving on, in, in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Actually, I'm sorry, 10, 19 through 25. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, open for us through this curtain... That is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hopes we profess for who or for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another, and this is what I want us to hear, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Earlier in this passage, uh, the author of Hebrews, and I say author because we're, you know, people make different cases for who actually uh, authored the book of Hebrews, um, he, he goes on to say, uh, now we have the confidence of, or confidence of entering the most high place. Um, there's a lot of uh, Jewish language being brought into this, but essentially what it's saying is this, is that Christ is now that sort of veil that has been lifted for us, that now we can have direct access to God, right? And so sometimes, and and when I read this, I kept thinking about um, when I was younger, somebody presented the gospel like this to me because I was unsaved, and and this is a classic analogy, right? Here's you, here's God, and here's the chasm that separates from you and God, and then they draw that bridge, and then they draw the cross, and then, you know, Jesus Christ is that bridge that connects you with God. You guys know what I'm talking about? You've all heard it. At least some of you have. That's what I keep thinking about this. Now that Christ has died, we have direct access to God. 
And, and, and so, um, in doing this, we, we, we were called to worship God. And he says, in, in, in the commentaries I was looking at, says this, that we can worship God in our assurance of faith, verse 22, encourage each other, verse 23, and then verse 24, to worship God with each other, to love one another, and to spurn each other on to doing good works. Meaning our expression of faith is not a private matter. This is something that's being done together. There's a lot of people today that will say, I'm a Christian, but they're not in church, or they're very private about their faith. They don't tell anybody. I think this is making a case for, um, for us to, uh, to share our faith with others. Um, the author enthralls us to stir each other up in doing good works and in love. And then again, I will touch on this meaning later. And then finally in 1 Peter 4, 9-10, through 10, if you would, I'm going to read it. <clears throat> the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to the one or to one another without grumbling, as each has a gift. Um, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God, God's varied grace. Um, if you're familiar with First Peter, it's saturated in this in, in, in sort of. Uh, uh, um, Turmoil. There's there's persecution taking place in First Peter four twelve. He says, "Do not be surprised at your fire ordeal. Uh, persecution and suffering is rampant. There's false teachers that he's addressing. There's there's false prophets that he addresses in this. And in this whole situation, he kind of exhorts the uh, the body that he's writing to um, to be self controlled and sober minded. And then he says, "Show hospitality to one another without grumbling." Um, I think that he's saying this because he, Peter understands the connection between hospitality of doing good works to one another and sort of uh, mutually sharing each other's burdens and, and bondages together as a way of strengthening and refreshing and encouraging each other. So, so Peter is exhorting us to do this, to be hospitable to each other, and then he says to be good stewards of God's varied grace. Now these are three passages that I have, that I have given you. Um, I could have listed a lot more, but I didn't. Um, what I wanted us to get to this point is, is this, that community, being a part of a community called the church, is not an option. It, the New Testament authors would have said that's a mandate. We have been mandated, when we've been called out by Christ to be part of His church, we have been mandated to take place in that community. With the interesting follow-up question is, then why are there so many people acting like that we have not been mandated to this call? If we've been mandated to it, then why are so many people losing on the follow-up? And just kind of filtering in through the cracks. If, if, if church and community is a mandate, what are we to do with this? It's the big, uh, so what, right? Mike always says that. So if we know this, then what does it mean for me? What does it mean for us? <clears throat> More specifically, how does the mandate for community at our church relate to each one of you finding your niche in this community? I would like to offer three different points related to this text of, of, of applications of what I try to mean, or what I'm trying to say. First is this, in order to grow closer and bond together, we need to strip ourselves of postures and expressions that sterilize or devalue the robust, organic, and joyful meanings that come with community. I'll read that one more time. In order to grow closer and bond together, we need to strip ourselves of postures and expressions that sterilize or devalue, devalue the robust, organic, and joyful meanings that come with community. Uh, Mike Halpin says this consistently. We live in a culture of options, and he, he admits he loves options. Part of living in that culture of options, it's called we live in a consumeristic culture. Consumerism is, is, at one level is good. Whether we realize it or not, we're, 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 we're choosing from different options every day. You choose what you're going to have for dinner. You're going to choose what clothes you're going to wear, what school you're going to go to, what car you're going to drive, where you're going to go on vacation, where you're going to work. Get the, you get the picture. We live in a, in a nation in a time of options, and we love it. 
But there's a downside to it. The problem with living in a, in a culture of options, and when we, when, we, when we think of life as consumers, we start to go in, in situations and relationships that aren't meant to be considered as just another thing to consume. Meaning church, the body of Christ, is not just another thing and a whole list of options that we are to consume as Christians. It's not. We use these sort of languages, and you hear people, you'll say, um, you'll say something like this, Hey, what, what church are you at? Well, I'm just shopping around. You're shopping around. See, we, we go into this, this mindset, not that this language is necessarily bad, but when people take on this mindset of that they're just looking for a church based on what they need, and said, well, they can contribute, then there's a major problem going on. And when we treat church just like a list of a, of a whole other things that we have on our plate, we're devaluing it whether we realize it or not. When we say, I'm a member at this church, it, it, it's good. I mean, we are members. We're, we're part of this family. The problem with that, though, is a lot of people take this mindset and they think, I'm, I'm a member of this church just like I'm a member of Boy Scouts. I'm a member of this country club. I'm a member of this fitness club. I'm a member of this such and such. So that at the time when we find out that the church has nothing more to offer us on a practical end, we just up and leave and act like nothing ever happened and everything's good to go and it's not. And we see that here at this church, right? We become connected with people. And for whatever reason, they don't feel like they've been plugged in or they, they, they haven't found their niche, but they've been here for a long time and they just up and leave and it hurts because something absolutely dynamic happens in a Christ-like community. See, I think there's something significant about being called the body of Christ. The body of Christ isn't labeled for the YMCA or for Boy Scouts. There's something unique to this labeling. And so when we're, we're a part of this community called the body of Christ, and people just kind of up and leave because they feel like it's just another thing on their list of things to do and of things to consume, then we're, we're devaluing what, what church looks like. We have a calling to this robust, beautiful community, and we honestly need to strip ourselves of this language that sort of desensitizes or devalues church and these different mindsets that we bring to the table. I want to say this. Again, we need to strip our minds and hearts. Acts 2 paints a beautiful picture of what a dynamic, Christ-centered, spirit-filled fellowship looks like. And while I don't ask or expect us to model our church after such an example, my hope and prayer is this, that God would put in us a spirit that desires, a spirit that, that, that is passionate, a, a, a desire to experience togetherness and life and community all as one. Second, as the author of Hebrews says, Love one another and meet regularly and encourage one another, despite the messes that may come. And I added that last part in. With regards to this verse, when he, when he says, um, be, be together, meet regularly, um, encourage each other, unlike some, ask yourself this question, which, which group am I in? Am I in the group that is encouraging and loving one another, or am I in the, in the group that has stopped meeting together? Uh, this verse is kind of tricky, and um, some of the commentaries that I was reading on, on it regards that, is, is this verse is being tricky in this, as a lot of people are at a church, and they, they go to church just every Sunday. Every Sunday they show up to church, and that's all they do. And they say, I'm good to go. This, I'm, I'm living out what, he, what Hebrews is saying. I'm meeting regularly. But listen to the language of the author, what he's saying. He says this. He says, love one another, encourage one another, Meet regularly. Do you get the dynamics of that language? Is that it's mutually inclusive language. And so in order to love each other, in order to encourage each other, there has to be this follow-through. So I ask you, if you see yourself in this group of, of, of this, but you only come to church on Sundays, 
when you read this, let me ask you, how much loving and how much encouraging can, can take place in three hours on a Sunday morning when most of the time is spent listening to teachers and, and, and worship? Seriously, how much time of loving and encouraging and one another can be done in just three hours of time? See, I think the author is saying, look, it's, it goes beyond just, uh, just church services once a week. In order to be a part of a church, and, and my call for you and, and into a community is that you guys would experience life and be friends and, and, and enjoy life together and live together and break bread together and pray together and love one another on a consistent, on a daily or weekly basis outside of just every Sunday. A lot of us are just happy with just being at church on Sundays and, and not thinking outside of that. And I think in order to really understand Christ-like community, Christ-centered community, we have to put ourselves in situations where we're willing to live life in the cracks and in, in, in the trenches of life and the seriousness and brokenness of life. And that occurs outside of Sunday mornings. So if you're part of a church or if you're a part of this church and in your life you say, man, you're right. It's only Sunday mornings that I'm here, that I'm interacting. Ask yourself this question, what could it look like if God was using me in other areas or how could I get plugged in outside of just every Sunday? I think that's our call, guys. I, man, when I look at this stuff, I can't, I can't interpret it any other way. The other thing I want to say is this. I made this little extra part. Um, love one another and meet regularly despite the messes that may come. We all have friends. We all have best friends. The thing about friends is this. We enjoy spending time together as friends. You know, I make no bones about it. Uh, Dan and Jared and Ken are here, and those are, those are like some of my best friends. But if you look at our lives, we, we, we share the same likes. We like the same movies. We like the same music. We like the same books. We like the... We have the same jokes. We act sort of the same way, right? We're good friends. That's normal with friends. You, you, just, you do that sort of stuff. We all have friends. But here's the thing that's so, that's so beautiful about community, Christ's community, His body, is that there are people here that would say, Steve, I have nothing in common with you. You are just a weird, wacky guy. And I, I don't like you. No. <laughs> but they'd say, they'd say oh, I have nothing to share with you. And that's true. But because of the sovereignty of God and how beautiful God is and what the picture of Christ looks like and the body of Christ looks like, that people that come together that have no business being together can come together as a body and, and share life together. It just it paints a beautiful, beautiful picture. Some people have this, this tendency to say, I, I don't want to be too involved in church because there's a lot of people there that just kind of rub me the wrong way. And I would encourage you to, to run towards those experiences. Community in a, in a Christ-oriented way is messy. It's, it's sloppy. You, you accept people no matter your differences, no matter the fact that they rub you the wrong way, no matter depending on their brokenness, um, what baggage they bring to the picture. And, and, and what's beautiful about it is despite all these inefficiencies and all these in, um, inadequacies that we have together, we strive together and God uses us dynamically to further His kingdom, to do His work. It's such a beautiful picture. And that's what I love about community, the fact that it is messy, that there are people that other outside of here I would never spend time with, but because God has called us to this church, we desire so desperately to, to, to work to further His kingdom. Community is messy, that is true, but we've been called to it, and we've been called to love one another, to encourage one each other, encourage one each other, encourage each other. There we go. It's good stuff. As I wish Russ was here, he always says, "Good times, good times, bro. Good times." There he is. There he is. I'm sorry. Good times. Good times, bro. There you go. <laughs> Finally, 
This, this applies specifically to finding your niche in the sphere of spiritual gifts. Some of you here, right here in this, in this body that is meeting today, have been, gift, have been given the gift of hospitality and have a passion for community, and you're not using your gifts. You're not. Some of you love community. Some of you love hospitality, and you're not using your gifts. And guess what? You need to be using them. God, God gives us gifts because He intends. He gives them with the intent that we're going to use them. And we need to honor God and start using those gifts. Now, some of you might not even realize this, but I, I think the Scripture does paint this picture of what hospitality looks like. I believe that is a spiritual gift. And so you might be asking yourself this question, well, how do I even know? Well, I would love to answer that for you, at least from what I've, what I've found. Hospitality, or people that have been gifted with uh, the gift of hospitality, um, some of their characterizations would look like this. They're the ones who come to every event we have, are always suggesting new home groups or activities and events the church could plan. They love having people over for dinner. They love having or going to parties. Most importantly, they consider their home a place for ministry. These are people that, that have been given the gift of hospitality. Uh, others that are passionate about community, um, they, they're, they're, they're basically in the same, same picture. And so you have to ask yourself this question, how am I, if this is the case, using the, God, the gifts that God has gifted me to work and serve in this church? Some people, sometimes we have these gifts and we tend not to use them. Meaning we're, we're teachers and we're leaders, but we, we don't apply it, any, we apply it in, our, in our businesses or at schools, but we don't use it you know, in the church. And the same thing can be said here. Some of us love to entertain. We love to have parties, but we only kind of have parties and entertain people that we like hanging out with instead of the body of Christ that, that those gifts were intended for. If you've been giving the gift of hospitality, if you're passionate about community, ask yourself this question, Father God, where would you have me? How can I further your kingdom? How can I serve this body? I think it's a really important question to ask. A lot of people come to, come to me or some of the leaders and they'll say something like this. And this is a great example. They'll say, hey, you know, I really think we should do this Bible study. Or I really think we should do a home group on this. Or I really think we should do this service project. Or I really think that we should do, um, we should do this, this, this community event as a church. And, and the problem with that is, is that being a church that has bi- bivocational leaders as we do, there's only limited resources that we can have. And so the, the problem with this is, guys, is that sometimes when we think that we're just going to cast these ideas to people because we really are passionate about community and we really love meeting together and God has given us all these great ideas, that we get frustrated when the leaders don't act on, on, our, on our dreams and our visions. And I say this because I've seen it a lot. All right? Did you ever stop and wonder and think that maybe God is giving you a vision and expecting you to do the follow-through? Honestly, if you love community, if you love hospitality and this is your thing... Maybe God is calling you to start an area of, of, of service or community that is not a part of this group. And we saw this just a few months ago. Jonathan Runyon, uh, he kept saying, man, we need to get a men's Bible study together. And he finally got it going. And it's great. And there's young men that are coming together and studying God's Word. The same with Dan Billen. The same with some of the women's groups and some of the home groups and, and some of the um, parenting groups that we have and the women's book club and all these sort of things. The love and, and the ex- full expression of the community God is so magnificent and so wonderful when it just happens spontaneously out of pa- pure passion and desire. So if God is calling you because you are passionate about community and He's blessing you and, and giving you a vision of what community could look like in this church, I would encourage you to go ahead and just step out and act on it. If you're thinking, man, there's a real need for a morning's uh, men's Bible study at 6.30 in the morning, just do it. Make yourself vulnerable and just do it. If God is calling you out to, to use your gifts, then do it. If, he, if He's saying, I really want you know, somebody to, to, to start something like a Tuesday night supper is like the, that was at the macros, then maybe God is using you to do that. So use the gifts.
that God has called you to. Part of finding your niche is allowing yourself to be molded and filtered in, in which God is, is placing you. Um, some great examples, guys. Our announcements went way... I mean, we, we, there's so much stuff here. Uh, a lot of times people say, well, there's just, this is a small church. I just can't find my place. Well, we're really trying to remedy that issue because if you listen to Stan's message, I mean, there was just a full list of stuff that's going on this fall. There is, there's, there's weddings, obviously. Weddings, there's uh, men's advances, there's retreats, there's prayer groups, there's Bible studies, there's movie nights, there's hunting trips, there's everything. There is so much going on this this. This, uh, this fall especially, we really don't have a, a, an excuse for, for saying that we can't get plugged in. However, I would say this. If you're a part of this church and you call this place home, I would ask that you'd put yourself in a posture yourself in a way that would welcome those that are visiting and that are, that are checking us out. Meaning, if, if we have um, people that are visiting, we need to be more hospitable towards them. We need to get outside of our bubble. Meaning, as much as I like talking to Dan about a new CD I listened to, I need to get outside of my bubble and say hi to people that I don't usually say hi to. And that is our call as a church, to be hospitable towards each other and and towards those that are visiting. In closing, my prayer is this, that God would bless Lion and Lamb for being a church known for and characterized by having dynamic, explosive fellowship. So many churches talk a good talk. And they they want to walk a good walk, but they lack that follow-through. I remember being in high school, yeah, high school, and, and we would always say, we would just kind of joke, we'd say, we're just going to go get you know, pizza, and we're going to fellowship, and, and that's going to be a good time. And really, it was just all of us just getting pizza and getting free food and just leaving and doing our thing. And, and you see this with a lot of churches. A lot of churches want, or talk a good talk, but they have no follow-through. And I pray that when people would see us as a body of Christ, that lion and the lamb, that they would say, you know what, <laughs> they aren't a well-oiled machine, Right as a church when you come to service or whatever, but they love each other and they love community. And when I'm there, I just feel like I'm a part of a family. That's my prayer. I pray that that would be a desire in your guys' hearts, that we could just put everything, um, uh, put strip everything that we have about community aside and all these false ideas that, that is imported by consumerism and just love each other. I really do. That we would just be this organic. Christ-filled, Spirit-filled, led community that would just love to do His work. And I think there's a lot of good signs of, of that happening. <clears throat> as, I, as I stated earlier, community is where life happens and where spiritual growth occurs. Would you pray with me? Father, I just thank You for this day, and I thank You again for the people here, and just, uh, again, a beautiful day, Lord. Lord, You have called us to community. You've called us to serve one another to break bread with each other, to share our stories and our lives together, Lord. Lord, I pray that Lion and Lamb would just be marked as a family of people who love serving you. Father God, we know that you did not die in vain, that you died on the cross because you came to save us all. But in doing so, Lord, had established the church. Lord, and I know that there are so many people that just sit on the sidelines and are so okay with not um, doing anything but just coming to church on Sundays. And as much as that is hard for me to say, Lord, I know it's true. And Lord, I just call that you would just be convicting us and that that we would just uh, love you and love each other and want to do your work. Father, you've given us a big job and there are so many areas in this world that need your grace and your love and your hope. 
Father, would you open our hearts and our minds to this? We love you, Lord, and we just thank you for your son in Jesus' name. Amen.